Okay, if you would open up to Ephesians <coughs> chapter 6. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish the full armor of God today. And, and if we don't have a chance to finish the book of Ephesians today, we'll finish it um, next Sunday. Then we'll be going through... Um, uh, a series of uh, topical messages before we get into the next book, uh, which is Philippians. But uh, but we're going to be picking it up at Ephesians 6 and verse 18. And uh, as you turn there, if you would just bow your heads, we'll go to the Lord in, in prayer. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' precious name, I just, uh, I just love the, the people in this church, in our church family. And... Um, our, our church doesn't have a whole lot to offer other than worship of you and your word and prayer. And so uh, the people that are here today, Lord, they came to hear your word preached. They didn't come to hear the, the faulty wisdom of man. If they wanted that, they could just stay home and get on the internet or watch television and get plenty of that. But they came to hear your word proclaimed. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, you would anoint me a fallible man. That you would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray, Lord, that you would open hearts and minds, including my own, to be convicted by your word and to understand your word and that your spirit would empower us to apply your word. And Lord, uh, as we see our, our freedoms dissolving in this country, uh, I pray that there would be revival, repentance and revival among your people. I pray that the gospel would spread in America as it's spreading throughout third world countries right now. But um, if difficult times are ahead, and it seems that they are, I pray that you would remind us that all we need is Jesus, your son, and that uh, you don't promise that the trials won't be here, but you do promise us that you'll be with us in the midst of our trials. And so be with us, O oh God, and strengthen our faith and uh, just strengthen us to get through the difficult times ahead. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So Ephesians chapter 6, the full armor of God. Remember, um, we want to have the full armor of God. We need the full armor of God for spiritual battle. We need the belt of truth. You know, there's a lot of people in America today that are perfectly content with lies. They don't, they'll say, hey, you know, if I just accept fake news and I accept what our leaders tell me, um, and I just uh, reject the truth, uh, I can get along in this country, maybe even get some free stuff from other people, okay? Uh, it takes courage to stand up for the truth in a culture of lies. And uh, we need to have the belt of truth on, okay? And, uh, and that's not just spiritual truth and the, the gospel and, and the Bible and all, but that's applying the Bible to other stuff as well. We need to be people uh, of truth. And uh, so we have to have on the belt of truth. 
we have to have the breastplate of righteousness. Remember, that's faith in the Lord and love for God and love for your neighbor in action. Okay? If, if you're living a sloppy moral life, don't, don't be telling others that you got the full armor of God on. We need to be people who not only hear the word, but apply the word and do the word. We need to be doers of the word through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory. Our feet, we need to be prepared, uh, ready to share the gospel of peace. Are we ready to share the gospel of peace with others? We need to, to have the shield of faith through our trust in the Lord. That's our protection against the temptations of Satan. If we're not trusted in the Lord, Satan is going to drag us down. And uh, we're going to just get involved in willful, habitual sin. We're, we're not going to shine our light in the darkness. We're going to be part of the darkness. And so we need that shield of faith. But remember, that's not having faith in your own faith, that's not having faith in yourself, that's having faith in the Lord. Okay? And, um, and so we need the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. If you're not saved, don't get in spiritual battle. If you're not sure you're saved, if you like have a hard time recognizing the Bible says, look, if you trust in Jesus alone for salvation... You trust in him alone for salvation. You ask him to forgive you and to save you, uh, you're saved. And so you've got to have that assurance of salvation. Uh, but if you're kind of having doubts and all, um, don't go into real heavy spiritual battle. You know, get, get biblical counsel uh, uh, about those, those doubts. If you're not saved, man, you got, you got no business locking horns. Uh, with Satan and his demons. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. <clears throat> the last two weeks, we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our only offensive weapon in the, in the uh, full armor of God. Okay? The Word of God. Now we're going to be talking about prayer, and that's going to complete the full armor of God. Let me say this. If you're having a difficulty, if you're like me, and you're having a hard time with long lists, you're saying, gee, I don't even know. Do I have the breastplate of righteousness? Do I have this? If you just focus on the word of God and prayer, the rest of the armor is going to come natural. Okay? You get into God's word, and you test everything with God's word. So in other words, you listen to God's voice in his word. Okay? A lot of people tell me, oh, I had a vision, or I had a dream. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But I'm going to test it with the word of God. But I don't know why God would have to give us visions and dreams all the time. I mean, if he chooses to do that, that's his business. He's God. I'm not. Okay? But God's already spoken to us in his word. So you show me a guy who doesn't read God's word and then tells me, oh, yeah, he had this vision from God. I'm like, why would God speak to you in a special way when you don't even listen to the words that he spoke to all mankind? through his scriptures. And uh, so, uh, so, but if you focus on studying the word of God and applying the word of God and going to, to good preachers of the word of God and getting grounded in the word, okay, um, and memorizing scripture and meditating on scripture, thinking about scriptures, and, and then you have a strong prayer life. St start every day in the word, even if, if you only have five free minutes or ten free minutes, 
at least read a Bible verse in its proper context and pray. Okay? Start your day in God's Word and in prayer. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And then it'll become natural to walk in the supernatural. And uh, so we talked about the last two weeks, um, the sword of the Spirit. Now we need to talk about prayer. So look at verses 18 to 20. Paul says this, Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20, praying always. That's a tough one for me, you know, but when he says praying always, so that, that's like in, uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, we're told to pray without ceasing, okay? Now, you know, I grew up Roman Catholic. I learned some good stuff from the Roman Catholics, and I learned some stuff that wasn't really good from the Roman Catholics. I learned enough stuff that wasn't biblical for me to leave the Roman Catholic Church, okay? And um, so first, I'm going to just start with prayer, okay? Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking to God. I mean, you know, when Saul wanted to talk to the dead, he went to the witch of Endor, that's the world of the occult. He wanted to talk to Samuel the prophet. So he knew, I, I, don't, I shouldn't go to a Jewish priest or a Jewish rabbi. I need to go and see a witch into the demonic world of the occult. And um, so contrary to Roman Catholics who will pray to what they believe are you know, dead saints and all, uh, I realized right away that no, no, prayer, we're supposed to pray to God. So there's three persons you can pray to. The one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Normally, we like to pray to the Father in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, if you're praying, Holy Spirit, get me through this mess, you're praying to God. If you say, Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus, you're praying to God. Okay? And, uh, but anything beyond that, that's communication with the dead. So first thing we've got to understand, prayer is talking to God. And then we're told to pray without ceasing, pray at all times. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing when Catholics point to their forehead and they, they say in the name of the Father, and then they, they point down to their chest and, and the Son, and then each shoulder and the Holy Spirit, amen. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. They're acknowledging the Trinity, and then they close the prayer with that name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one thing I don't like about it, though, it, it gives you the impression that you're dialing up God. Okay? So what it's showing is, I wasn't talking to God. Okay? I wasn't talking to God, and now i got to take out the phone and dial him up. Okay? For younger people, dialing was like that. Now you just get on your phone and do whatever it is you do. And, uh, but, um, but if we're going to pray without ceasing, what I, all I would say is that you read the scriptures, the Old Testament saints, uh, they would pray in the morning, they'd pray in the afternoon, they'd pray in the evening. So you, you just got to build an attitude of prayer. And then what you got to do is when you go throughout the day, continue to talk to God. Continue to talk with him. Um, so act like you know, I don't have to dial him up. My life is dialed into God. My life 
is a life of prayer. God might tell you things when you pray, okay? But generally speaking, when we pray, we're talking to God. You know, he can answer our prayers. He always answers our prayers, sometimes affirmative, sometimes negative. Um, but whatever the case, primarily when we pray, we're talking to God. When we study his word, he's talking to us, okay? But there are some gray areas where we need confirmation, and we pray to him to give us uh, confirmation and all. But we're to pray uh, without ceasing. We're to pray in, in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And that says, rejoice always. God never commands us to have feelings. God commands us to make the right choices. So we are to choose to have God's joy always, no matter what the situation. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Just like Paul says, uh, pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Then he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're to have prayers of thankfulness. It's so easy for us to pray for something we don't have and never thank God for something he has given us. Always have a spirit of thanksgiving. And by the way, Paul doesn't say uh, always give thanks if you grew up in America and you're blessed with freedom and prosperity that most people on the planet Earth have never experienced. No, he's telling all Christians, pray with thanksgiving. So that, that, that means even the Christians in Ethiopia who don't know where their next meal is coming from, they're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. It shows you how spoiled we are here in America. A lot of us, myself included, we've shown that we can praise God and take a stand for his kingdom when things are going good. We're going to find out in the near future uh, if we're still going to be praising God and taking a stand for his truth when things are not going our way, when things are going bad, okay? And, uh, but, uh, but Paul says to pray always uh, with all prayer and supplication so we can bring our petitions to God, uh, but he tells us to pray uh, in, in the spirit, okay? Pray in the spirit. Uh, that means praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, um, look at Romans 8. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. And 26 to 28, Romans 8, 26 to 28, likewise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy, when you're praying and you're pouring your heart out to the Lord, and you're like groaning and praying. It's just the Holy Spirit is taking over. We, we don't even know, 
you know, how, how can we know the answers when we don't even know the questions? We go through tough times. We, we don't even know what, we're, what we need. And if the Holy Spirit kicks in at that point and intercedes for us and prays for us according to God's will. Verse 20, um, 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Why do every... This does not teach everything that's... If you're a believer and you love the Lord, everything's going to happen to you that's going to be good. It does not say that. There's going to be good stuff, there's going to be bad stuff. But even the bad stuff, God is going to work it for your good. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is praying for you in accordance with the Father's will. Okay? So... Any prayer that's prayed in accordance with God's will, okay, uh, God will answer in the affirmative, okay? So we need to pray in the Spirit, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the word supplication means to petition God, but it implies that there's a certain amount. Um, uh, maybe not the word emotion, but... A certain amount of urgency. So, you know, some of us are more emotional than others. But there's a sense of urgency that, wow, I'm praying right now because I need to pray. Yes, I want to pray, but I need to pray. And I need to pray in the Spirit. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, I was trained again. I'll get back to Roman Catholicism. I was trained to recite prayers. So much so that I didn't even have to think about what the words meant anymore. By the way, I have no problem with people praying the Our Father or praying Psalms, but think about the words. Technically, the Our Father is not a prayer. Technically, the Our Father, you know, you could find that in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Technically, the Our Father, they ask Jesus not what to pray, but how to pray. So it's a pattern for prayer. So you, you want to know if, if you're, the pattern of your prayers, if that's scripturally sound, match it up with the Our Father. Okay? And, um, but right going into that in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, avoid meaningless repetition. He tells us that's what, what the pagans do. They think that the more words they have, the, the more successful their prayers will be. And, um, and so, no, you got to pray in the Spirit. you got to pray from the heart and think about the words. Don't say, yeah, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Um, you know, this, is a, this is a lousy confession. Um, I had to talk to my sister Elaine back in Jersey. You know, I had to return her call. She called me about three times, so I had to return and get caught up on the family politics and close the you know, hour and a half discussion with, okay, I'll pray for everybody. That's the way we knew, from New Jersey, we just talk a lot. And um, so um, so I knew it would be disrespectful if I had the football game on in the background if she, if she knew. So what I did was I put it on mute. And uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, or, you know. And, it, and I paid a lot of attention because I really didn't care about the two teams. But, but I mean, if there was a 35-yard run, I had to remember... Okay, don't start screaming now. Just, uh, you know, and um, so 
uh, I love my sister Elaine. She, uh, we, we've become so close over the years. Like all siblings, there was probably a time where, you know, we wanted to almost kill each other. But, but we've become real good friends over the years. But hopefully my prayer life isn't like that. I'm going to pray to God, but I'm still going to watch the football game while I'm doing it. I'll just mute it, you know. Well, uh, my sister Elaine might not figure that out. God knows. You know, we, we serve a God who speaks to us in his word because he loves us. We serve a God who listens to us when we pray because he loves us. You know, and um, so we got to pray in the spirit. We got to pray like we mean it. We got to think about the words. We got to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we got to pray without ceasing. And then even like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he also says it in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. We've got to pray with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Don't suffer anxiety about anything. By the way, I preached a message years ago. We'll be, I'll be preaching it again in a few months um, as we go through Philippians. Philippians verse... Chapter 4, verses 4 um, through 10, I titled that Paul's Formula for Joy and Peace. If you want joy in your life and you want peace in your life, freedom from hostility, freedom from stress, Paul's formula, as inspired by God, Paul wrote in verses 4, in fact, verses 4 through 9 of Philippians chapter 4. We'll look at the first two verses there. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So first for joy, guess what? You got to choose to have the joy of the Lord. Amen. Okay? And um, me and my wife went out to eat this past week. And we come into the car and my wife says, oh, there's something on the, uh, on the windshield wiper. And I thought it was probably just some junk and I took it. It was a plastic thing, we opened it up, and uh, it was a $450 ticket for, um, we didn't realize, nobody sent my wife a notification that her, her handicap, her disabled uh, thing, yeah, placard had expired in February of this year, and so we like, well, well you know, we realized, well, we deserve it, then we got an expired thing, but gee, that was a surprise, so so you get hit with $450. Well, guess what? You've got to choose to have joy at that point. I mean, I, 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 just, had, I just had this gigantic meal. In fact, I, I can't eat what I used to eat. When I go to, like, Olive Garden, you thought that what I ordered that night better be good because uh, that's what I'm going to eat for the next week, you know? And uh, I'm a leftovers kind of guy. And... Uh, and I'm telling you, I had the joy of the Lord coming out of Olive Garden. You know, I, my stomach was expanded and all. I read it. It was easy to have the joy of the Lord there. Now when I find out, I got to contribute $450 to one of my least favorite entities. You know? <laughs> yeah, local government is just like, okay, it's like, hey, well, I got to choose to have the joy of the Lord. Okay? Now when I was running late to church today, driving down Illahee, and then I see um, Kitsap County Sheriff parked there at the fire station. Um, I thought I was going to have to make that tough choice again. 
But uh, I think what was happening was he was probably still writing the ticket from the last person because he let me speed on by. And I look in the rearview mirror the whole way from there on to church, and I just kept saying, Lord, your grace. I want your grace, Lord, because I knew I deserved a ticket, you know. So when you get, when you get grace, hey, that's easy to have joy when things go bad. It's not easy. I preached a, a lot of weddings, and the joy came pretty easy for the people. But I preached a lot of memorial services. And it's tough to make that choice when your loved one went, went away. But, but so you got to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So rejoice in the Lord and be gentle to others. Gentle and gracious to others. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't suffer anxiety. Don't stress out about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, same expression Paul uses in Ephesians 6, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request uh, be made known to God. And then God promises that the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will overcome us. Okay? And, um, and so we have to pray in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, without ceasing, with thanksgiving, but we have to pray for all the saints. Look at what Paul says, Ephesians 6. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, being watchful to this end. See, you're, to be watchful is to be alert. If you're not a prayer warrior, you're not alert. You can study God's Word and still not be alert. You've got to pray. You've got to be in contact with God. Uh, if you don't think communication... To the one who's calling the shots, and we're in the church. Christ is the head of the church. If you don't think communication is important, watch a football game. And um, and the quarterback's got in his helmet now. Um, I don't even know. In the old days, he used to call, say walkie-talkies, but I don't. But he's got some kind of communication, electronic communication system, going on with his coaches. So they call the plays. If you get a loud crowd, they'll, they'll cover their ears. So they could just hear what their coach is telling them, what the plays are. And there's got to be communication. Uh, an awful lot of interceptions that quarterbacks throw. You'll see them yell at the wide receiver. It's not always the wide receiver's fault, but sometimes the wide receiver was supposed to cut left, and he cuts right. Or he's supposed to cross the field, but he just decides to stop. And so the quarterback throws the ball right into the hands of a linebacker on the other team when his guy was supposed to be five yards in front of that linebacker. Okay? The communication breakdown. We're not talking about football. We're talking about the real world. We're talking about life in this fallen world. You think that communication... But our great God and Savior is not important. We need to study his word, but we need to be prayer warriors uh, as well. Um, so we need to pray in the spirit at all times, you know, um, and, and pray without ceasing, 
pray with thanksgiving, and then pray according to the pattern that Jesus gave us. I just want to look at this real, real quick. It might seem like I'm getting off track here, but the fact of the matter is whenever God's word says pray, we need to know what, what biblical prayer is all about. And so in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 7 through 13, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. By the way, not all repetition is vain repetition. There's some psalms that repeat the same line over and over again. So some of the church fathers used to pray, uh, uh, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on thee, over and over. He used to even say that in Catholic Mass. But Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy. As long as you're thinking about that, repetition is okay, but it's vain repetition. To where you're not even thinking about the words. Okay? See, when we pray in Jesus' name, that's not like abracadabra. That's not like a secret um, formula that is going to get us whatever we want. That's not magic. You have to think about the words. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're, you're praying, supposed to be praying in Jesus' authority, which means you're praying in accordance with his will. Okay, um, but, uh, but here Jesus says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, as the pagans do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Look how many ways the Roman Catholic Church has become like the pagans, even bowing before statues. Um, for your, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So, you know, it, it, it's really, really weird. God, ad, God commands us to pray to him, yet he already knows what we need and, um, and what we're going to pray. Amen. But he wants us to have that relationship with him. Okay? And, um, you know... How can a guy say, you know, let's say a guy goes off to combat or is in the military and stationed far away and his wife sends him letters and he never opens them and never reads them. Okay, that'd be like somebody not reading God's word and saying they love, love God. And then he never writes her back. That'd be like us, us praying, uh, saying we love God, but we just don't, don't like praying. Okay, if we, if we love God... We're going to read his word, and we're going to be people of prayer. But this is the way that Jesus told them to pray. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. So you acknowledge it, that God is your Father. You've got that personal relationship with God, and you acknowledge he's the God in heaven, not the false gods anywhere else. He's the true God. Hallowed be your name. We have to acknowledge that God's name is holy. Okay, Holy means to be set apart, to be separate. So like taking God's name in vain in the Old Testament, you don't have to add a curse word to God's name to take his name in vain. Okay? Anytime you treat God's name like it's not holy, not hallowed, if you take God's name and you act like he's just one other 
finite, limited thing that exists. Anytime you treat God as if our God is common, you're taking God's name in vain. Our God is not a common God. Okay? There's the Creator and the creation. We're part of the creation. He's the Creator. There's the infinite, the unlimited God and finite creation. Finite, limited humanity. There's the perfect God and then there's fallen human beings. Okay? So we, if we treat God like he's not special, we're taking his name uh, in vain. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we really want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do we really want God's kingdom to come to earth? We say we do, but we don't live that way. Jesus told us in the Gospel of Luke, remember Lot's wife. Don't forget Lot's wife. She was physically coming out of Sodom, but she looked back, and she probably slowed down. She wasn't wasn't spiritually coming out of Sodom. How many of us would say, you know, would pray, Lord, I want you to come back, but could you wait a little bit? Because right now my job's going well and I'm making more money and, and I'll be retired in a few years and let me live a, out a long, good long life and then you can come in the next generation or whatever. Sometimes we get too comfortable with this earth and we forget about God's kingdom. And so we should pray for God's kingdom and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a tough one. We're... We Americans are going to have to start praying that. Okay? And by the way, the preparedness meetings and stuff, that's important stuff. Okay? And God has prospered us. We've got to take care of our family, not just now, but two years from now. And, um, you know, Bill Gates doesn't even want us eating meat anymore. And now they're bringing synthetic man-made meat, which isn't meat at all, into the stores. And um, they're... Ranchers are having problems. Um, uh, So we try to prepare at the same time. God wants us to walk with him day by day. Give us today, Lord, our daily bread. You know, I used to, when I first got saved, like, Lord, just just give me a million dollars now. I'll live off of that for the rest of my life. And God's like, you know, no, I give you a million dollars, you'll never pray to me again. (laughs) That's the last I'll see from you. And, uh, uh, so give us this day our daily bread. Our walk with the Lord, salvation, one-time event. You trust in Jesus alone for salvation from the heart. God regenerates you. You're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. It's a one-time event. But our walk with the Lord has got to be day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many times we're praying for forgiveness and we're not forgiving others? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay? So, um, 
Your prayers, I mean, he goes on further and says, you don't forgive others, why should God forgive you? So, you want to have a lousy prayer life? Have a spirit of unforgiveness and then pray to God and, and you're going to see your prayers are going to be bouncing off the wall. You know, it's like, well, why should I forgive him? He did this and that. Why should God forgive you? Why should God forgive me? The perfect God forgave a sinner like me. What right do I, uh, an imperfect sinner, have to withhold forgiveness from another imperfect sinner? Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves that the gap between our righteousness, our own righteousness and our own strength, the gap between our righteousness and God's righteousness is a lot larger than the gap between Adolf Hitler's righteousness and our righteousness. Because we're all in the imperfect category. God's in the perfect, infinitely perfect category. And um, we deserve hell as much as Hitler did. Now, I think, if I understand the scriptures correctly, he probably deserves more beatings in hell than, than us. But, um, but we, we deserve that same place. It's grace. We're saved by God's grace. And uh, when I was crying out for God's grace this morning, because I knew I deserved a ticket. And uh, we deserve the flames of hell, so we've got to turn to God. So we need to pray in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, for all the saints... Without ceasing, according to the pattern, pattern Jesus gave us. Uh, did, how often do we pray for all the saints? I'm getting better at this, but I still, uh, I think I'm still in the not so good category. But I'm really starting to think about the saints, believers across this country, and then the Christian saints, our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are being persecuted. Okay? You know, how, you know, it's, it's like, um, oh, Lord, please help, you know, us American Christians because people think we're weird. Yeah, well, that's good. Pray for that. But why don't you also start praying for the Chinese Christians who are being imprisoned for their faith? For uh, Christians in Muslim countries that are being executed for their faith. We need to pray at all times in the power of the Holy Spirit and pray for all the saints. By the way, that's another area. We're growing up Catholic. Um, a saint, I was taught, a saint is some guy or gal that died centuries ago that the Catholic Church believes there were miracles done in their name and they, the church canonizes them a saint. Then I started reading the, the Bible and Paul's writing his letters to the saints, to people who are still alive. The saints means the set-apart ones. You look around this room, uh, let's face it, we all got issues. But you look around this room, you're looking at saints. You meet a Christian brother or sister from another state or another country, you're meeting a saint, okay, with a set-apart ones. And um, uh, and so we're to pray for all the saints, and we're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray with thanksgiving. We're to pray in accordance to the pattern 
that Jesus gave us. Now let me say this about prayer. We are to pray in accordance with God's will. Okay? Uh, look at the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. There are, there are a lot of blasphemous prayers that are uttered from televangelists. Preachers who are commanding, claiming things in Jesus' name, acting like in Jesus' name is a magic formula. And if God doesn't answer your prayer, that's because you have a lack of faith. So they're putting faith in their faith. They're not putting faith in the Lord. If you put your faith in the Lord, you've got to put your faith in the Lord's will. But these guys are like, they, they, they actually borrowed from the mind science cults. Name it and claim it. They think they got it abracadabra, open sesame. In Jesus' name is a magic formula. Okay? No, the secret to prayer is to allow God to change your heart so that you desire for yourself and for others what God desires for yourself and for others. Okay? Um, but in John chapter 5, verse 43... John 5, verse 43. Jesus says this, I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. That's the Antichrist, the guy who's going to come in his own name. But Jesus said that when he came to earth, he came in his Father's name. Then you look at John 6, 38. For I, Jesus says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, when Jesus said, I came not in my own name, but in my Father's name, and I came not to do my own will, but my Father's will, he's saying the same thing. Okay? It was like in the old day when there was, the old days when there was this thing called checks. I think I'm probably one of the few guys in Kitsap County that still writes those things. And, um, and if John wanted me to cash a check that was written to him, in the old days, he would sign the check, and then I'd sign underneath it. Now, he might have to give me a picture ID, something to verify that I really do know the guy, but you got his signature and then my signature under it, and if I go to his bank or my bank, they might actually cash it. Okay? Why? Because they know I'm coming to cash John's check in his name. Okay? And so when we pray... Any prayer you pray in Jesus' name, God will give you what you asked. But in Jesus' name is not a formula. It's not just words. What I'm saying is any prayer you pray in accordance with God's will, God will give you what you asked. So the secret of prayer is not dragging God off the throne to do your will, but you growing in the Lord and loving the Lord and becoming, putting on the mind of Christ to where you desire for your life what God desires for your life. So it's not us dragging God off the throne to do our will, but it's us rising up to God's throne room and putting on the mind of Christ and desiring for ourselves what God desires for us. Look at John 14, verses 13 and 14. This is where Jesus says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
But you just have to understand, in Jesus' name means you're praying in his authority and in accordance with his will. Okay? So it's not a magic formula where you can just name and claim things in Jesus' name. Now let me say this. Praying in Jesus' name means the same thing as praying in accordance with God's will. Okay? Which means the same thing as praying in the Spirit. So if Paul said, pray in Jesus' name, that'd be no different from saying, pray in accordance with God's will, which would be no different from saying what Paul did say, pray in the Spirit. Okay? So praying in the Spirit means you have to be filled with the Spirit. So when you're praying, you're not praying uh, in your own selfish way, but you're praying in accordance with God's will because you're praying through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do what the Holy Spirit wants done. You think what the Holy Spirit wants thought. You say and you pray what the Holy Spirit wants said and prayed. Uh, look at James 4.3. James 4, verse 3. James says this, You ask and do not receive. James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So, if you're praying, and it's all for selfish reasons, okay, um, and, and by the way, it's, it's hard to figure out what's selfish and what's not selfish. If you got a job and you don't have a car, and people are tired, or co-workers tired of giving you a, a ride to work, you might really need a car. Okay? Um, at the same time, you, you, probably, you know, probably don't need a... Uh, 2021 Corvette or Camaro or Firebird, maybe a 2001 uh, Pontiac Grand Am might do, okay? Um, I, I love when people knock on my window of my car and I got to roll it down. They're like, and I know what they're thinking. They're looking at me. They're thinking, are you the only guy in the world that's still got to roll down his windows and, and stuff? And uh, But... Um, you know, so, you know, there, there might be people in certain countries when they're praying for a car, you know, they're basically asking, you know, give me the wealth of a king. Uh, here in America, it might just be a, a necessity to just do the job that God's called you to do. But if we're just praying, asking God uh, for our own desires, things that we don't need to live that obedient life to God, to be that good father, that, that good uh, um, son, that, that good worker, that good Christian. If we're praying for things just because we want to spend it on our own pleasures, um, we're going to strike out uh, in our prayers. Yet, God te does tell us to, to ask um, for good gifts. Look at Matthew 7.
Matthew 7, again in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 7 to 11, uh, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Well, he explains it in verses 9 and 11. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, when you ask, God's going to give it to you. When you seek, you're going to find. When you knock, it's going to be open to you if it's conditioned if you ask for good gifts. Okay? So it's kind of like an earthly father who loves his son. The earthly father knows how to give good gifts. His little four-year-old son says, you know, Daddy, I want a loaded pistol. Okay? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. What is the father going to do? Probably buy him a water pistol. Okay? Buy him a toy gun. Okay? Um, if you ask your, your dad for a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a serpent. But if you ask him for a serpent, he's not going to give you a bad gift. So again... I mean, the, the, the parallel passage there is in Luke 11, 9 to 13. Luke 11, 9 to 13. We don't have time to read the whole passage, but Luke 11, 9 to 13. It's the same thing. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Okay? But look at verse 13. He explains it. If you then being evil, so Luke 11, verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, Jesus is talking about asking God for stuff. It's all in the context of asking God for good gifts. And the ultimate good gift there is the Holy Spirit. If you ask God for the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer and you ask God for the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit, He's going to fill you with the Spirit. He's not going to turn you away. And so the, the, the problem is we think all the materialistic stuff, and, and by, by the way, um, I know a godly young man who just got a brand new Corvette. Okay? I think that would have been a bad gift for me. But knowing this guy and how much he, he's not tied to the materialistic things of the world, he likes working on cars, grew up doing that. Um, he's a very successful businessman now. He built his own house and stuff like that. For certain people, if, you, if you're selling real estate, you better pray for good clothes. Okay? Um, barbers, better have a nice haircut. Okay, why would I let some guy cut my hair if he, if he can't even cut his own hair? Okay, so God's called us all different things. What might be a, 
a good gift for you might be a bad gift for me. Okay? And so what we do is we pray. And we let God make that decision. Now, um, sometimes people pray for bad stuff and they get it. Because the enemy will say, okay, I'm going to give this guy this bad thing. And then um, God will say, okay, I'm going to allow the enemy to give him that bad thing. Because he keeps asking for the bad thing, keeps desiring bad things. So I'm going to show him how this bad thing is not a good thing and it's going to blow up in his face. And then maybe he'll start praying for good things, for the things that are in accordance with, with God's will. And so uh, we should ask for good things. Now, so when Paul, back in Ephesians 6, when he tells us pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we are to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, pray for all the saints, not just ourselves and just the saints that we know. There's a universal church of all true believers scattered throughout the world. We're to pray at all times, pray without ceasing. We're to pray with thanksgiving in accordance to the pattern Jesus gave us. We're to pray in accordance with God's will. We're not to pray in a selfish way. We're to ask for good gifts. We don't know. By the way, I, I don't, you know, I've been studying the word since 1981 when I got saved. And um, I, I rarely do I know what a good gift is. So I have to say, Lord, I think this is a good gift. I'm asking for it. I hope it's in accordance with Jesus' will. But you decide. And then if I don't get it, you know, then I just think, okay, well, a lot of times what I think is a good deal, how many people have begged God, give me this job that I applied for, and God says no. And two months later, they get a job that's way better than the one they were begging God for. So we don't know. So that's why, you know, the televangelists will tell you, not all of them, there's some that are really good, but most of them, whoa. Um, you got a lot of heretics out there, but they'll act like, if you end your prayer, but not my will, Lord, but your will be done, they'll say that shows a lack of faith. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, said, Father, what he was basically saying, if I understand that passage correctly, if there's any other way to save mankind, do it. Please allow this cup of suffering and death to pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And so when you pray and you don't have the confidence of these health, wealth, and prosperity heretics, when you pray and you're not confident that what you're praying is in accordance with God's will, just end the prayer, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You're in good company. Anytime you're with Jesus, you're in good company. And um, so, so but Jesus said, you know, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Our prayers have no divine power or authority unless we humbly submit our wills to God's will. I'm going to repeat that. Our prayers have no divine power or authority unless we humbly submit our wills to God's will. Okay? Trying to command God in our prayers as if He is our slave is blasphemous. I'm going to repeat that. 
trying to command God in our prayers as if he is our slave is blasphemous. we got a lot of blasphemers on television that claim to be preachers of God's word, and they're commanding God, pushing God around, commanding God to answer their prayers. That's blasphemy. Okay? Again, you know, first thing you got to learn in life, there is a God and you're not him. Okay? And so when we pray, we humbly come before God in prayer. Now let's get back to Ephesians 6. Uh, Paul says, pray for all the saints. And in verses 19 and 20, and for me. So Paul's asking for prayer. Don't be afraid to ask people for prayer. Okay? Sometimes we act like, well, I don't want to ask for prayer. I don't want to bother people. Mm, You know, if you need prayer, ask for prayer. And for me, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul says, don't don't just pray for all the saints, pray for me also. He wants to spread the word of God more boldly. I don't know about you, but I'm not as bold as Paul was. If Paul prayed, begged God, help me to spread your word more, more boldly, then who are we to not ask for that boldness? Okay, now some of us are louder than others, but I'll be honest, there are times when I should be sharing my faith and I'm not. I'm on a mission to get a box of Cheerios from Fred Myers and a gallon of milk and no one's going to stop me and I'm going to get home as soon as possible. Okay, and, uh, and God's probably telling me, plant some seed. Don't just say God bless you to them, but talk to them a little bit about Jesus. And it's so tough in our depersonalized society. You know what I need to do? I need to, like Paul, pray that God gives me more boldness in prayer. By the way, Paul was a prisoner at this point. He's got a lot of things you'd expect him to pray for. But he's not asking God for his own physical needs. He just seeks God's will. He's chained in a Roman prison at the time. He calls himself an, an ambassador in chains. An ambassador represents uh, a, a foreign country, goes into another country, and he's an ambassador for Christ in chains. That's why he's not ashamed to, to suffer for Christ, 2 Timothy 1.12, because he knows that the Lord is going to protect him. And uh, so Paul's, he's chained in a Roman prison at this time. He doesn't seek his release from prison. He just seeks God's word to be boldly released from his mouth. Now just think about that. What if they imprison you? What if the government imprisoned you for preaching the gospel and somebody was allowed to come and visit you? Okay? And... Um, and he'd say, man, I, I really, really need prayer. Well, first thing that's going to come to your mind is this guy's going to pray that he gets a retrial and gets released. I really, really need your prayer. What do you want me to pray for? I need more boldness sharing my faith in this prison. The last guy I witnessed to hit me. I haven't witnessed the guys in a couple days now. 
Please pray that God gives me. You know, I, I would look at that guy and say, I think, man, you're a nut. You know what? If he's a nut, Paul's a nut. Peter's a nut. John is a nut. Okay? Let me tell you, if somebody calls you a Jesus freak, thank them. Thank them. You know what the problem with the Christian church today is? We don't have enough Jesus freaks. We don't. We don't want to be considered weird by the world. We, want, we try so hard to find common ground with the world that we become the world. Call, call me a Jesus freak. Let's be willing to be called Jesus freaks. And so when we're begging people for prayer, right at the top of our list, even if we're in prison, right at the top of our list, when we pray, when we ask for prayer, ask me to share my faith more boldly. I have visit. I don't know if it's going to even happen anymore because of this COVID stuff and this political control game. Uh, I can't go places where, where if you're not vaccinated, can't visit uh, brother in assisted living care because I'm not vaccinated and stuff. Um, but when I used to visit people on their deathbed, I'd always be amazed. I thought I was going to encourage them, and more times than not, I'd have a suffering saint. Encouraging me. I remember Lucky Leslie, a Christian biker. And uh, every time I go to visit him on his deathbed, he'd have a message from a suffering saint. And what I thought he wanted me to pray for is totally different. And his perspective and perspective of many of our brothers and sisters in the Lord on their deathbed. Please beg God to give me more opportunities. To share my faith. We need to study God's word. We need to pray more. And we need to beg God. That we get out of our shells. And we get out there and we share Jesus. In a world that loves lies. And I'm not telling you. This is not the formula to make you popular. This might, this might even get you beat up. But we're here to preach Jesus. The meaning of life, the true meaning of life, is to personally know Christ and to make him known. Everything else is window dressing. Okay? And yes, you've got to live a godly life and be a hard worker and be a good family member. You've got to practice what you preach. But when it comes down to it, it's knowing Christ and making him known. And so you want to pray for what you need most of all? If Paul needs boldness, more boldness to share the gospel, then all of us need more boldness to share the gospel. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, please, Lord, give us, give us the full armor of God to go into battle against the, the demonic forces that control so much of what's going on here on earth. Give us the full armor of God. Make us people of the word. Get us grounded in your word. Have us start your day in the word and in prayer. Make us people of prayer. But cause us to pray prayers for all the saints, but to pray prayers of thanksgiving. And even when we petition you, may we petition you according to your will 
and ask for good gifts. But may we be content, Lord, with your will. But we know right here from Paul, inspired by you to record your perfect word, we know right here at the top of the list the things we should pray for. We should pray for more boldness to share Jesus with others. To help us to not be ashamed. Help us to have the boldness we need to share Jesus and his truth in a culture of lies. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.